This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction recovery specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. Hey, thank you. Hey, I have a special guest today, Mark. Mark is uh, come to tell his story. One of the things we want to do here is, is um, really help people by, uh, we have great success stories from people that have figured it out. It may not have been easy, but uh, um, life on the other side is certainly worth it. Mark, just tell us how your addiction all started and how, how it progressed. And uh, Let's see. Uh, so I could start with the addiction part. Uh, probably, I think I tried my first um, you know, illegal substance somewhere around 12, 13 years old. Uh, marijuana and uh, alcohol. And um, so, you know, the alcohol progressed uh, up through high school with uh, some spattering of, uh, you know, marijuana and a little bit of cocaine here and there. But, uh, I mean, the, the behaviors, looking back on it with now with 10 years clean, the behaviors were there before, before any substances were introduced to my body. Um, the defiance, the... Uh, you know, the uh, lashing out, the reacting to situations. Um, let's see. So so now you're, you're going, thinking back with all this hindsight and experience yeah. and stuff. And yeah, you can actually see the signs were there, but at that age. Yeah, who's, yeah. who's aware of it? How can right. you communicate that at that age? You don't have the ability to know what's going on and, uh, you know, convey that message to an adult that something's going on upstairs. Exactly, exactly. But the drugs didn't help. You know, the drugs were an escape from, uh, you know, the feelings. I didn't want to feel what was going on inside. And uh, I could take a substance and it would make me, you know, feel uh, a sick sense of comfort. Right. And so when you say even before, so, so I mean, when you took drugs, did you actually feel more normal, like it quieted your mind? Or did it actually just feel like, was it after, were you after euphoria, or do you think that... Uh, at first, I'm sure it was that you were after the euphoria. I mean, that all went away when it became a, uh, you know, the physical need became, you know, so prevalent that, you know, you had to satisfy that urge. Uh, you know, eventually it becomes not fun at all whatsoever. I mean, you're doing it for the social aspects of it, and you're doing it to fit in, and, uh, you know, the peer pressure, and... And, uh, but then after a while, you know, it becomes just uh, second nature and you just have to have it to function. You think you feel, you know, you think you take a drug and you feel normal. Um, but that's what your body tells you and everybody around you knows something's going on except you. Right. And you can almost get in the habit of trying to change your mood artificially through other means. It just becomes second nature. Second nature. It becomes second nature. And then it becomes a, you know, there's a craving for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're talking... Marijuana, alcohol, occasional cocaine, and then... Uh, and then it progressed into, you know, uh, you know, I was addicted to anything. It was, I want more of whatever it was, crack, meth, um, opiates, heroin, uh, just, you know, whatever was available. I just didn't want to feel myself in that normal state. You know, there was such a chaotic um, mess up in my brain about... Uh, you know, who I was, what I wanted to be, you know, you've got the whole society telling you to be one way and it conflicts with, you know, what's really, what's going on inside you and, you know, and looking back, you know, that you said the hindsight, looking back on it now, you know, you're trying to, 
we want to be we want to be unique. We want to be our own selves. But the with the the media and your parents and your friends pushing you know society on you, it's just hard to sort that out on what you want to be. There's just a conflict. So all these expectations. Sometimes they're personal. Sometimes they're from the outside. Religion. Uh, religion. Yeah. yeah. So um, is. I mean, oftentimes people kind of develop a drug of choice. Did you have a drug of choice? I ended up being crack for sure. I mean, that was the that was uh, what I went back to the most. But in between that, you know, it was it was whatever was available. Sure. So you got used to these big giant dopamine surges. You were that was just what yeah. it took. Yeah. Yeah. It just you couldn't find it anywhere else. Sure. And so this, uh, how did that affect your lifestyle? I mean, uh, I assume you're going through a lot of money, jobs. And... Uh, the jobs, yeah. It was, uh, you know, the constant, you know, after after high school and going to work on your, you know, going to live on your own and trying to have a life and it was, you know, unable to pay your bills on time. And, and that's when it was still somewhat manageable. You know, you were func- I was functioning. and, and uh, But, you know, after years of that, you know, 10, 15 years of the functioning addict, you know, it became, I couldn't hold a job, I couldn't work, and I couldn't, you know, I, I tried to live on your own and not being able to pay your bills, the power turned off, you know, no insurance on your cars, and it just became a, you know, the constant getting and using and finding ways and means to get more, you know, drugs. And, and like you illustrate, I mean, they could function for a while, you know, but but it's going to catch up with you eventually. Yeah. So what, what was it, there was there a... Uh, Sentinel event that made you think it's time to get off, or uh, there was constant. I mean, that was a constant theme in the back of your mind. You know, you tell yourself, "Well, I know I'm a drug addict," but you know, you look around in situations and you see people that are worse off than you, and you're like, "Well, I'm, you know, at least I'm not that bad. I'm not. I'm not that bad. It's not that bad yet." And yeah. it's and the conflict. You know, there's a. I feel, you know, for me that there was a a part of my brain that would lie to me and tell me that. Uh, it wanted me to continue down that path. I mean, there's a part of me that, that would lie to me so I could get that dopamine rush. Mm-hmm. And it would do what it would say. You know, it lies to you in your own voice, so it's hard to... Right. And I see that kind of addictive thinking all the time. Well, I'm only taking six pills, or I'm just taking them orally, or I'm not, at least I'm not IV, or at least if I'm IV, I'm not heroin. Yeah, a lot of justification oh, yeah. and rationalization about your behaviors. Sure, sure. Now, when is it uh, that you decided, hey, i got to do something? Was there... Uh, pretty much, you know, it's when you're at the end of the road. I mean, you don't have, there's no money, there's no, you've, you've abused everybody in your life and, uh, you know, that, that, that was there for you. So there's, you know, you can't manipulate money out of the family anymore because you lied, cheated, stole from them so much. And, uh, your friends, even friends, even drug, you know, even your drug connections just didn't want to have anything to do with you. It just got so bad. And, and there was, uh. I had like one friend left and, uh, you know, for some reason, you know, this guy, he, and he was an addict on his own ride. It was, but he was, it wasn't like me. Like he never had to go out and steal for it or, or, you know, he never had those urges to, to progress to harder drugs. And, and, uh, you know, we were just talking and I remember telling him, you know, Hey, uh, I'm a drug addict. I drove from Jacksonville, Florida to Savannah, Georgia and, just because uh, I didn't have anywhere else to go, nowhere else to stay. No, you know, I had the gas in the tank, and that was about it. And just told him, hey, listen, I'm a drug addict. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I've shared my story before, and, you know, he told he was like, well, are you just figuring this out? You know, it's just like, because everybody knew, everybody yeah. in my life knew. Yeah. Well, and so you just finally got bad enough, or you got lonely enough, or 
something clicked. And just I, desperation. Desperation. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just desperation to have something else. You know, I just want, I need something else, but you know, it's a, in that situation, you don't know how to go about it. You know, what options you have and, and uh, you know, or where to turn. And at that point, you're so self-reliant on your own street skills or your own, you know, the, the stream of consciousness you have in your brain tells you that you can do it. You've done it this long alone. You know, how can you let somebody else try to help you? Right. And you're really not worried about tomorrow anyway, usually. No, there's no thought about, you know, anything past uh, your next fix. Yeah. So what was it that you did? And, and obviously it must've worked. Um, so, so a good friend of mine, uh, said, you know, I was, we were going over the options and he said, you can try narcotics anonymous. He said it worked for a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at that point that was like the only option that I, uh, you know, the only option I ever thought of, you know, I, and, and at different times in my life, I had tried the inpatient rehabs, right. um, outpatient rehab, psychological care units. You know, there's times I was putting those, uh, different times my parents had, I ended up in a boarding school out in Utah, and and, and you become such a master manipulator um, of your situations that you can just lie your way out of all that. You know, it's going to be different this time. It's not going to be the same. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm done with that way of life. And yeah. It's just, it's so quick to fall back if you don't have some kind of system, support system set up. Yeah. And you made a comment earlier that you're actually fooling yourself as well as everybody else. I'm oh yeah, there's that. there's definitely, you know, I, I see that part of my brain. And, and even today with 10 Years Clean, it's still, and I don't know what it is. I mean, different religions, different philosophies, different uh, countries have different names for that dark side of, you know, uh, 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 what's who is it? Jung, Jung, you know, knew, Carl Jung knew that there was something inside us, you know, that was, uh, that was, a, that was a dark level. And, and it still to this day, you know, I hear the, the voices in the back telling me, hey, listen, you can go back. It's not going to be that bad anymore. You yeah. can do it this time. You know? Yeah. Isn't that true? This time I, I got to figure it out. This, this time, time this I, I, I know. Yeah, I'm on guard. But. So, so it was N.A. that did it for you. Narcotics and, Anonymous. And, and, and was there like a special message that, that resonated? Or was there a special, I mean, you had to get clean long enough for your brain to actually start processing it correctly um, uh, yeah yeah there was uh, you know the catchphrases that were in there you know keep coming back and uh, don't use and mm-hmm. and and your brain plays tricks on you there too I mean I remember there's a in the in the basic text in Narcotics Anonymous it talks about who's an addict and you can read this chapter and I literally was so self-centered that I I thought that my parents had played this evil trick on me and that they had right. got put together this Narcotics Anonymous group and this chapter was wrote about my life and you know and and now with some long time clean you know I look back and other I see other addicts say the same thing like I thought right. this was a joke I thought it was a trick I thought they were trying to trick me yeah and it was uh and, and that first chapter resonated with me because I was like this is my life you know and I literally at that point I thought it was my life I thought it was all a big TV show and it was you know, like I can't remember the TV show series where the cameras were on everybody, but but I thought that was me, and it was just my selfish, self-centered nature. Yeah. And uh, but what really helped, I mean, in you know, after my, you know, I kept coming back long enough to uh, that the drugs started to subside with the control of my actions. Um, um, the uh, the identification with another human being that they had used, like I had used. And they had substantial clean time. 
right. to know that someone else, because we always think we're worse than anybody else, you know. It, well, eventually you get to the point like, well, you've never used like I've used. I'm trying to quit, but, but you don't understand. You don't understand right. what I'm going through, and, and it's just not true. Well, and that's why these stories are so powerful, I think. Way, way more motivational than something some doctor's going to say. People need to know that life's worth it on the other side, and, and they can do it. So you actually felt your brain kind of slowly start to change. Um, the the cravings, the need, those things, just... The desire. The yeah, desire. the desire to use and go and go uh, caught more, you know, eventually left. And, uh, and, and you know, there's a... Oh, some of the literature talks about you know we're powerless over our addiction and 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 we are powerless. Like the first time I put a drug in my body, at this point I realized that I'm I, I will probably go down that road again. Right. And you know at other times throughout my life when I had quit on my own, you know I'm going to do this on my own and you know you go a week and and uh, well maybe I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm not gonna try those drugs again. I'm right. gonna, but I'm gonna start here. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna get a little beer. You know, I'm gonna smoke pot, and the next thing you know, you go to the pot dealer's house, and there's no drugs, and he's got some pills, and I'm just gonna do these, and I'm not gonna do those, and yeah. it's just sometimes it's a short trip to that dark place, and sometimes it's a real long, drawn out trip to that dark place. And right, certainly have patients and friends. They they are clean for a day or a week, and now it's time to go celebrate or reward themselves. Oh, you know? exactly, yeah, reward so, themselves. Yeah. Okay. Before I looked for excuses, and then there eventually became a time when, you know, oh, I'm doing so good, maybe I can do this again yeah. anymore. You know, I'm under the impression that uh, I just, I couldn't give up what I have now. It just, it wouldn't be worth it. The the short-term feeling, euphoria, dopamine rush, you know, just would not be worth giving up the things that I have in my life today. Yeah. And so how is your life today? I mean, you're here telling your story. It's a good success story. You've got all kinds of... So I went from... Uh, uh, using, you know, smoking crack every day, every day, all day. The only thought I would have was how can I get my next fix? Um, from living, you know, walking the, in the worst parts of Dallas, you know, if I'd, I'd park the car and walk in because my car would have been stolen if I was in there and, and walking down alleys, you know, just trying to trade whatever I had for, for just one more to living, you know, stealing water and electricity from a rundown mobile home in the woods because I had that's all I had was a camper and and uh, to let's see today I have uh, I went back to school I've got two degrees um, I'm a manufacturing engineer I own my own home uh, multiple vehicles um, the healthiest healthiest relationship in my life and uh, you know I have a daughter that's never seen me use yes she's uh, she'll be five years old here pretty quick so yeah some two other people that are very important in your life. And so it's not just for yourself, but it's for them. So this daughter doesn't have any clue. Has no clue. Yeah, yeah she has no clue. I told her I was coming to do this today. And and, and, and every every Sunday I go to Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And, uh, you know, m more than that, if, you know, if, if the situation warrants. And, you know, I tell her I'm going to a meeting. And, uh, and, and she really doesn't understand yet what that's all about. Right. But her mother's in the same boat, and her mother goes to meetings, and so she actually goes to some meetings and, you know, hangs out with some of the other kids from, from the Narcotics Anonymous. Well done. Yeah, did, so did you notice that when your brain is so used to all these giant dopamine surges, you know, three, four hundred times normal, and then all of a sudden it's not there anymore? Was there a time where things seemed flat or things, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And then how long yeah. does it take for your brain to reset? I mean, people um, need to hear that, hey... You know, it, 
It does reset. So yeah, I mean, you're always searching for, uh, you know, when I got clean, I was always looking for something, you know, something to make me feel, you just some feel, well, first of all, I mean, I guess the first part of it is the feelings, like dealing with the feelings that come with being clean and mm -hmm. that I hid from for so long. There was so many, you know, love, anger, uh, grief, I mean, all those things come and you have no skills on how to deal with them and you know sometimes they're overwhelming you know as as a child growing up i mean eventually you learn how to deal with these things on your own and how to how to uh, handle the feelings that come inside but you know as an addict that's hid those and regressed those for so long it's hard to deal with and uh, the feelings were uh, coping with the feelings in the beginning in recovery was a very difficult part and almost took me out to use multiple times i mean there was you know, uh, just the feelings seem so large and overwhelming. You know, people talk about, oh, I have big feelings. I mean, they're just so amplified when you haven't felt them for so long. And just normal life shit. All normal life shit is just overwhelming. And then whether historically that, you just checked out, but here yeah, now you're dealing with here it. Now you're dealing with it. And is that, you know, historically you've checked out and used drugs and this, now you're, you're calling, you know, people in your network and Narcotics Anonymous that have been through the same thing. And you're saying, Hey, I'm uh, you know, I, I thought I loved this girl and she left me and, uh, you know, my whole life is falling apart. And, uh, you know, the answer I got and, uh, I still think of us today. My sponsor says, well, you don't know what love is. You know, it, yeah. you, for all you know, that feeling could be gas. And, yeah. and, and I, he's right. You know, right. you don't know what these things are. But now today what I've learned is the, you know, the love that you feel is, is the love that I feel. The grief that you feel is the same as the grief that I feel. And yeah. Anger and how we deal with all that, you know, is a, something you learn in the process and in, in recovery. Yeah. You're very, very uh, cerebral about the whole experience. So... What what are some of the things you've you've learned and some of the messages you want to send to people that think that were there where you were? And uh, well, I mean, you're worth it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, I got to a point where I thought I wasn't worth it. I, I just I don't deserve anything good. You know, I'm such a bad person. A lot of that comes from the, the society and the religion, what we were raised in, and it's what's forced on you and you know, sins and oh my God, you know, you're going to go to hell and you're such a sinner. And, and so you, you know, deep in your mind, you have that programming and it's just saying, you know, I'm not worth it. I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't be here. It's like, why am I still here? And just, but you are, you know, you're worth it. And I, something I struggle with is, is in meetings when people say, well, only by the grace of God am I here today. And, uh, the grace is like an undeserved reprieve. And I fight that all the time because I don't think anybody's undeserving of, of a uh, of a life worth living. I mean, I just I don't. Right. And and you can have it. It's there. It's just like there's there's people. There's different programs. I mean, there's there's NAAACA, um, Naranon, Narcanon. There's you know there's so many different programs, and you will fit somewhere. If you don't fit in one, you know you can find it. You can find some place you do fit in, and you can find identification with other people that have been through the life. You know, we all have different lives. But the situations are the same, and we, we individualize so much that we think we're different. We, we, we want to be on the outside. I don't, I don't need to be, I can't be in there with you guys, you know, getting clean and living this good life. I don't deserve it. It just, that was something that was I struggled to overcome. And the guy, you know, the group of men that I got with in Narcotics Anonymous, you know, they reached in and said, hey, listen, you're okay. You're going to be okay. And if I, if I tried to withdraw, you know, they would reach out and they would grab on me and say, hey, listen, that's no, you're, you're, it's a dangerous place to sit on the outside, jump in the middle. 
Oh, they must have seen something worth saving. And you make a good point. You try a program here, or try a program there, and it doesn't resonate or it doesn't connect with you, and yet you keep trying, you'll find one. You'll find you'll one. Find you've got to keep. Some you've got to find one. But and, and uh, it's, but see, that's another trick. I mean, that's a, that's something that uh, that. I feel the dark side in, in me tries to trick me out of here. You know, it, uh, these guys, you know, this guy says one thing, this program says another thing, this program says another thing. They must not know what they're talking about, you know. And, but, it, you know, you have to make start making decisions that are going to benefit your life. Like, I'm really good at sitting on the outside long enough to talk my way out of something. And, uh, you know, I bet if when I start making a decision, okay, I'm going to go to, you know, and I'm just using, bringing up the, the program that worked for me, I'm going to go to Narcotics Anonymous and I'm going to, devote myself to reading this book and I'm going to devote myself to following the suggestions, getting a sponsor, reading the literature, um, going to 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, you know, you start to see that these decisions you're making are benefiting your life because before the decisions I made did nothing but hurt my life. Right. And it's, it's hard for you to understand that, that you're capable of making decisions that will benefit you in the, in the long run. And in the beginning, I didn't make a lot of good decisions. You know, even clean, you know, just barely clean, I didn't make a lot of good decisions. I yeah. yeah, you had habits you had to change. Yeah. But like you said 90 and 90 or some of these, it's not all easy. You know, the no. journey's not, not uh, without its, you know, um, issues. But still, you, you know, like you said, it's working on the other side. You're doing great right now. And then what are you doing again to, to, to toe the line? I mean, you, you know that you know, anybody can go back there, but you've set yourself up for success. You've been clean for how long? Ten years. I picked ten up years. ten years in February, uh, February 14th. Yeah. Good. But you still go to meetings? Still go to meetings. I still yeah. talk to my sponsor, uh, you know, multiple times a week. I still talk to the men in my network. Yeah. Um, and You're out there helping others. Uh, like I take yeah. other people to meetings. I sponsor sure. other addicts. Powerful. You know, I just stay involved. I mean, like you know, I said earlier, I stay in. The, I try to stay in the middle of it because you know, if I sit on the outside long enough, you know, I'll just be. Like, I'll go back to that. I can do it on my own. Right. And it's you know, self sufficiency and you know, uh, it, it, the higher power thing almost kept me out of uh, the different rooms. You know, AANA because they talk about God, they talk about higher powers, and that's scary. When you come from a place to where you really truly believe, my God has forsaken me. You know, right. uh, where this God and there's some huge plan. How does He plan for me to sit in this crack alley? You know, or this this rundown crack uh, mobile home with possums coming up through the damn vents? Mm -hmm. You know, how is this part of a plan? And and so it's hard to turn that and build the higher relationship with a higher power to uh, so you can feel that uh, that. That wholeness inside. No. And it doesn't even matter what religion or what faith or anything. At all. I mean, certainly it does two things for you. It allows you to forgive your shame and your past that you can't do anything about. It allows you to do that, but it also helps relieve a lot of anxiety about the unknown and the future. I see people, especially addicts, are so afraid of going through withdrawals or not having the drug or not having money for the drug or not even knowing what's it, it keeps him in this fight or flight state all the time, all the time. And so, oh, you're yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, we but we create that. We create that inside, like the woulda, shoulda, coulda, what if right. in the future. I'm trying to predict the future on what's all going to happen, and, yeah. and I have no idea. You know, I literally have no idea. But I convince myself that it's going to be so bad yeah. that I, I'm not going to try it. It's not going to work. It's going to be so bad. I can't. Yeah. I can't start down that journey. 
and the religion thing is it's 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 it doesn't matter i mean it doesn't matter you can you know coming into any of the programs you can keep the god you have you can find a new god you know and 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 the benefit of the recovery programs is is nobody's going to try to make you choose and if, if somebody tries to make you choose find another program right perfect perfect well very powerful very powerful so i i appreciate the the fact that um you know your message is certainly that it's worth it on the other side it may not feel like it is when you're in the addictive world and that um it's Man. not it's not easy but it can be done it can be done and uh that's part of the you know looking back on it now with some clean time mm -hmm. is uh the obsessive and compulsive behavior I mean, we obsess on a feeling, we obsess on the drugs, we obsess on situations, and, and we compulsively go back to these, and it's hard to, really hard to break that cycle of that and start seeing that there's something outside of there and going in that direction without help. I mean, because, I, I, you know, at any moment I can, I can falter, and, uh, you know, now I have so many different things in the way that would, uh, that a lot of things would have to break down now for me to go back to that lifestyle. And, uh, but that's really, I mean, Something I'd never thought about when I was using was the obsessive and compulsive behavior and the OCD behavior. And I can see it today in certain things too, right. but it's not, it's not the drugs. You know, it's interesting. We see people out there with certain kinds of personality types and they're on the verge of fight or flight anyway. And a lot of um, their mentation is that it's literally life or death if they don't get this or don't get that or whatever. And it has nothing to do with reality, but... You know, crisis I, mentality. It is. It's, it's crisis. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's the limbic portion of your brain thinking it truly is life or death if you don't get your next fix or whatever. Yeah. And so, it so is. Much and it, it's it's yeah. in the withdrawals, but you know, in some of our literature talks about if we do not suffer through the pain of withdrawals, you know, we're doomed to repeat ourselves. Right. And uh, and I, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, and uh, mm -hmm. and, and I know there's uh, there's all kinds of, of treatments and replacement therapies and. And, uh, you know, but at some point, how, you know, how long are we going to substitute and uh, when are we going to start living life on life's terms? Absolutely. Well, good. Very powerful. I really appreciate you coming and talk to us. I really appreciate the fact that, um, you know, you're, you're doing the selfless act where you literally come in and tell your story, which takes a lot of courage, but with the sole purpose of, of, of telling other people that they can do it, that it's worth it on the other side, that, um, that you were just as bad as... They are probably now, and, and uh, um, I appreciate you reaching out and helping others. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we do, you know, helping others. Uh, helping others, uh, people see it as, as uh, it's great for the person you're helping, but, you know, really inside it helps me just as much, or if not more, to reach out and, and uh, pull someone out of that hole, you know, to stop digging that hole. And, and uh, you know, the guys that helped me, they, uh, you know, they got shovels out, they jumped down in the hole I dug, and they helped me dig my way out. You know, the only, you know, medicine, religion, psychiatry couldn't do it. You know, it was a group of, of uh, addicts that had found a better way. And uh, in this way is documented, you know, there's documented proof that it works. And, uh, and uh, if you're willing to, to put some effort into it, you know, half as much effort as I put into using it to getting clean, just half. If I put half as much effort into getting clean as I did using, you know, I can find a better way to live. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome anytime. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com 
or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.